Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirada de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels is helping a unique young person prepare for the next stage in their life. But the doctor has an interesting connection with this particular family. so glad you could join me today. I know it's troubling to be here with me today, but I think I can help you. Yeah, I think I can help you. It's easy to get confused about life and all the things in life that can happen to us. And I know you're nervous about the future. Oh, I'm so sorry. My name is Dr. Andrew Michaels. Your parents asked me to talk to you today. Now that you're leaving home and going to be on your own. They wanted me to, I don't know, coach you a little bit on what to expect in the outside world. I know. It's scary. Let me adjust my chair. It is scary, and the world's a very big, strange place, but you don't have to be afraid. You can make a life for yourself. You can. <laughs> if I could do it, you can do it. of your shame and I'm sure it's going to be a little frightening but that fear should keep you pretty honest I do suggest you don't draw a lot of attention to yourself no I do like your rituals I like how you ward off evil spirits with that hand drum. Can I try it? You don't mind? Okay, thank you. It's very interesting. Most drums have a taunt skin pulled over them. You know. 
thin mem membrane to make noise, or metal drums are curved to make a certain sound. This is an interesting concept. This is the right way to do it. Are things cool? Or am I outdated? Groovy? Gnarly? Awesome? What's the right word? <laughs> you won't find walking down the street playing a hand drum help you very much, but this might help you more. The old saying, the pen is truly mightier than the sword. I hope you'll write some of my notes down, <laughs> because I think that'll serve you better than your traditional hand drum. Not that I have a problem with it. It has a, quite a soothing sound. everything tells a story, doesn't it? Well, it's the practice of your tribe to send the youth out into the world so that they can understand the ways of Western culture. Your people were overtaken by some of my descendants, or uh, some of my ancestors, I'm a descendant. Gosh, I can't get anything right today. And I regret that they took this land from you, but if it encourages you at all, I do have some Native American lineage. Cherokee, in fact. I know I don't look that way with my blue eyes and my pale face skin, but it's in there. Northern European, predominantly English, and Native American. And the funny part is, if you definitely check my lineage, there's just a little bit of Sub-Sahara in there small percentage. I find that interesting because everybody thinks they're one thing or the other, but in reality we're just all a big mixture, a big mutt, a big stirred up melting pot of genes and genetics. It's very interesting to me. I don't identify as a Native American and I don't identify as an Englishman, so I think American will do. Though if you need me to specify, I am a Chicagoan by choice and by destiny. The 
the city of Chicago runs deep in my blood. And I can't escape it any more than you can escape your own future and past. I've been asked many times to come up here to the northwest of the United States and Canada to help the youth of your tribe. It must be hard. I know lycanthropy holds so many pitfalls in a modern world. Just being aware creature must be dreadfully frightening to lose yourself, to transform. I've heard it's quite painful. But it's not a curse. No, you're not cursed, and you're going to hear that. You're going to hear that in the outside world. But I'm here to tell you, you're not cursed. And it's not a disability. You have an ability that very few people on earth still retain. The ability to turn into a wolf at night. And you've got to hide that. You've got to hide it. I could tell you a story about another tribe. Maybe I will soon. They were much like your people. Yes. But they didn't send their youth away into the modern world. They had a little more trouble passing as normal, where you, in the light of day, when the full moon is gone, you can pass totally normal. <laughs> normal. I see that look in your eyes. So you're saying I'm not normal, Dr. Andrew Michaels. No. But we both know what I'm talking about. You have to blend in. And you must. You've got to date. You've got to go to the movies. You've got to go out on uh, bar hops and pub crawls and sporting events. Nice long walks in the park. I'm sure you can find somebody that would find you very attractive. And as you're doing your college studies, companionship won't hurt you. And it won't hurt to have friends. And these friends, whether they're a boyfriend, girlfriend, or an intimate partner, they don't need to know all your secrets. You can draw lines and just say that religiously I don't go past this line and it has nothing to do with your attraction or lack of that attraction. It's strictly cultural. 
And if they can't abide by your wishes, if they can't understand that, then they aren't very good friends, are they? And that's a good way to judge somebody, isn't it? If they can't respect your boundaries as a human being, I know, as a human being, okay, today you're a human being. Well, what do you want me to tell you? If you're going to pass as normal, and you want to pass as normal, and you have to be normal, I don't make up the rules. I'm just here to make sure you don't get harmed. And if anything goes wrong, I have to get you out. I don't make up the rules. And I'm sorry I have to bring it to you this way. Society chooses what normal is. I mean, look at you. You're wearing blue jeans, uh, rock and roll concert shirt. That's as close to normal as you're ever going to get, I think, in the United States of America. You don't have to show people your tribal tattoos. You don't have to show them what happens to you at night. You don't have to discuss your eating habits. It's none of their business. And you're not lying to them. You're just not telling them the truth. And you're doing it for a good reason. You're protecting them as much as you're protecting your tribe. There are youth out there right now wearing masks. As cumbersome that's what you have to deal with. There are people out there that have problems with sexual identity, gender, religious problems. And they want their parents and they want their families to accept them and they want their friends to accept them much the way you are. I mean, let's take, for instance, something kind of frivolous. I knew some kids whose parents thought it was against their religion to wear Halloween masks. They could use makeup or wear a costume, but they couldn't cover their face with a mask. Masks were considered from the devil or satanic or wrong. And it was very unnerving for this child to go through Halloween, but there was a way around it. He just wore makeup and made himself look like a, a Indian one year, a clown the next, a cowboy the next year. And he was able to blend in, feel normal, feel part of the group. And it wasn't against his religion, it wasn't against his culture, and it wasn't against his family. His parents knew he was doing it. It was about the child being able to just come to school and not be tormented. Much in the same way you're dealing with 
some of the issues that you have. There's kids sitting right beside you in class that are dealing with the exact same problems. You can't see those problems, though. And you don't know what their problem is because they hide it from everyone. Now, that could be out of self-preservation, it could be out of fear, or it could just be out of it's none of your business. And you just, you, you just sit there and you think, what way do you want to live? Do you want to live in fear? Do you want to live to protect yourself? Or do you really, when it comes down to it, really don't care what other people think? It's just none of their freaking business. You'd be the coolest kid on campus if they knew you were a werewolf. The problem is, there are still people out there who would, if they knew that you exist, they would hunt your people down. And they would kill them. And a lot of it's irrational fear, a lot of it's religion, and a lot of it's cultural. And sorry to say, but you do know that some of your tribe have gone rogue, and that doesn't help at all. Just look at any religion or culture or political group out there. Whenever somebody goes rogue, whenever somebody goes extremist, it sheds a bad light on the whole group. Doesn't mean you're a part of it, doesn't mean you're a bad guy, but you're still a part of it. And it's still looked at it that way. I wish things were better, and I hope things do get better. And you know what? I actually believe things will get better. There was a time when your family couldn't even go to college. The liaisons before me, they would tell your grandparents to stay home, to not even go. There was a time at the turn of the century they actually tried to tried to have a college up here or that level of college teaching and just privately teach you here. But what we found was you have to interact. You've got to learn how to get along with the outside world. It doesn't work the other way around. And I'm sorry, it just doesn't. If your tribe is too isolated and too segregated and too xenophobic, people start asking questions. We can't keep up the facade. People want to know why. And curiosity kills the cat. And that's exactly what happened around the turn of the century. Oh yeah, we had conspiracy, crazy conspiracy theory people back then. Your tribe was hiding gold and mineral wealth on their tribal lands. And these geniuses 
for lack of a better word. Just couldn't wait to sneak onto your tribal lands at night looking for gold, looking for mineral deposits. And we all know what happens on a night of a full moon, and that's what they used to guide their travels at night, sneaking onto your lands was that glowing, bright, full moon, illuminating the countryside. Do I need to tell you the rest of that history, or do you already know it? <laughs> you already know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out so well. And you know the rules. Once you're exposed, you've got two choices. They can join, be part of it, or you have to erase the problem. It's part of your treaty with my people. I don't agree with it. I think that time has passed, but... I'm not the judge and I'm not the jury. And I certainly wasn't the diplomat that worked the treaty out. There's nothing wrong with falling in love. We all fall in love with the wrong person sometimes. But you do know there there could be a right way, too. Don't you? Your kind can mate with my kind. In fact, I know some of your family are even half human and half were-creature. You do know that, don't you? Or are they, are they still trying to hide that from the children? Okay. It's just frowned upon because they don't want to bring outsiders in. And then sometimes the offspring can't transform. And you know about that, too. Well... Science will catch up to that, and maybe one day we can fix some of those problems. It would be cool, wouldn't it? Well, if you've always felt like you were attracted to somebody outside your race and tribe, I'm sure there would be a way to get your parents to accept whoever you bring home. <laughs> You're kidding me. I know your father very well. He told you no way, huh? Well, obviously he's never told you his own past. I'll leave that to him. You do know your parents met in college, don't you? Oh, I know they're both weird creatures. But they didn't. Well... Okay, I'll tell you some of your own family history then. I'm sure they told you their version of events, but... Your mom was from a rival tribe. The ones over the mountain. Okay, you know that. Well, they didn't meet as part of a tribal trade and trying to create peace between the two tribes. <laughs> Your parents met in college. 
As a matter of fact, they went to college with me. <laughs> That's how I got roped into this. Well, he kept the secret. She kept the secret. Neither knew the other was a were-creature. And one night, there was a car accident. And these things do happen. The funny part is, it's not the first car accident I ever got exposed to where it opened up a can of worms. But I must say, this one was probably the most life-changing for me. I was there. And we managed to use pry bars. They used to have these um, four-way wrenches. And we managed to use them to just pry the car apart enough to get your mom out. She was in shock and lost a lot of blood. He couldn't handle it. He was hurt too. But his protective nature kicked in as a male. Looking at her damaged, unconscious body, he transformed right in front of us with the intent to kill all of us who had responded to the wreck. And I got news for you. When a six foot five werewolf transforms in front of you, and it's very dimly lit, and there's uh, blood on his mouth already, I was, I was, I can't even tell you how scared I was. He picked her up and he lumbered off, injured, his body healing quickly, but not quickly enough. We were able to keep up with him, and of course several people wanted to kill him, disable him, capture him, whatever you want to call it, whatever they thought they could do. By the time we caught up to him in the woods, your mother had already healed considerably and was conscious she was able to start calming him down. And there under a tree, she petted him until he transformed back into human form. You see, in the dark, we thought we were attacked by a monster. We didn't even realize it was him. We thought the monster had caused the wreck and that he had torn loose from the wreckage. It didn't dawn on us that, you know, like they hit a deer, something like that. And it didn't even dawn on us that it was him, that she wasn't alone in the car. He started crying. Because he was afraid we would kill him. He was afraid 
couldn't go back. That he would be pariah for giving up his tribe's secret. So he had to die with it. And we didn't know all of this in detail, but we knew he was scared. His clothes literally tattered, barely anything left on him. One of the men that had responded to the crash walked up with a tire iron, raised it to his head, and that's when she kicked in. Your mother transformed so quickly, so fast, she met his arm as it came down to deliver the blow. And she snapped his arm like a twig. I'll never forget it. My God, the strength your people have. It is something to she threw the man, before any of us could react, into the tree trunk and split his head completely open, instantly killing him. Your father, exhausted from the transformation, unable to transform back, pleaded, begged her not to harm anyone else. We all stood there, completely shocked. And she ran off into the dark night. I stood there looking at my friend and everybody else ran away. I couldn't run. He was my friend. I could not leave him there. Not like this. They were both really good people. What is this? What was going on? I, I, I couldn't put it together in my head what I had just seen. I had seen supernatural things in my life even as a child, but nothing like this, nothing compared to seeing this. It was like a universal horror film playing out right before my eyes. I even thought for a moment that I was fantasizing it. Somebody had slipped me acid. That maybe I was under the effects of LSD. But I knew better. So I took off my jacket. I did. And I took off my pants. <laughs> I did. I said, put on my pants, put on this jacket, and I went back to the car in my underwear and a t-shirt. I said, come on, let's go. We gotta go get her. I'll never forget that look on his face. What? We gotta go get her before anybody else finds her. And then I learned more once we got to the car. Like, why can't you just transform into a wolf and chase her? Because, you know, it was so draining to change 
into a wolf and then back, that it was brought on by adrenaline. And there was no full moon. He couldn't control it. He wasn't mature enough. I said, well, then hers probably wore off too. And then he said, yes. So we went a little further and by then there were police cars all over the place. And of course the uh, angry mob was gathering and we found her. Luckily, we were able to get her out of the area. They were... I still get emotional about it. Even today, they were crying. They were sitting in the back seat of the car, crying. Because they thought they had no home to go to. That they had no life left. That they would have to commit some form of ritual suicide or you know whatever to protect the tribes they were comparing notes they knew who each other were now I took them to my father's house my father was with what back then was a small government agency. And I asked him what to do, and my father contacted some people. This is before any group really existed to deal with these kind of things. And believe it or not, some government agents showed up. the Department of Tribal Affairs and took your parents back home. They asked us not to speak of it and of course I didn't. And about two months later I got a letter from your father asking me to come up to the tribal lands and visit and the train ride, oh my god. It was the most miserable train ride I've ever taken. Back then, that's how you got around. You didn't fly on an airplane. No. Shows you how old I am. And I went up to this desolate, forbidden area. Deep, deep in the north of... I think it was Washington State then, and then part of it was in Canada, British Columbia. They met me and took me on a ferry across the, the, uh, the Sound to British Columbia. And I met your family. And I attended your parents' wedding. <laughs> That's right. I was there. And they never took photographs. I'm not in any of them because I was the guy taking them. But if you think about it, your parents' wedding was one of the earliest weddings 
there's pictures of. And the tribal leader said, if, if these people can make friends with us, are there others like them out there? There was a hope in the tribe. So they continued their program of letting their children go to college. Letting them mix with the gringos like me. <laughs> I know, it's all weird. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You should be proud of your lineage. You should. Your father was a real rebel and a real trailblazer. When he says that uh, he doesn't want you marrying outside of the tribe or outside of your people. Well, you just ask him about the conversations that he used to have with his old friend, Dr. Andrew Michaels, back in the day. But do me a favor, wait till I get off the tribal lands before you ask them. Okay? <laughs> okay. You alright? You're more confident about going to college now? Alright. Well, let's go. I'll take you there and drop you off and uh, everything will be alright. Let's go say goodbye to everybody before we leave. Sounds good. Oh, and you're going to love the food there. They have this buffet that all the students pay for, and it's killer. You're going to, it's going to be the best part of going to college. <laughs> you might even meet somebody there to have lunch with. I think you will. I think you'll fit in just fine. Well, let's get to the party. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Cuello. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardojeo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you. <laughs>